Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy Gonna kick old trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble on the drum. Beat out old trouble on the drum. Beat out old trouble on the drum. And kick old trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. Beat me that rhythm on the drum. And kick old trouble out the door. Kick him out the Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. Excuse me, are you leaving the studio, madam, are you? This is what happens, Jean. I mean, I've got 3CR royalty sitting with me, Jean Ely, and, and, and this, this other woman just walks out. It's extraordinary, Jean, isn't it? Now, this is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Uh, this program is podcast. Now, Jean, I'd like to apologise before we start. Are you going to say hello? This hello. is live radio, you know. Yes, hello. We don't pre-record on Radical Australia. Oh, how are you? <laughs> well, I got you here under false pretenses because I've been trying to get you on Radical Australia for six years and every time you've refused and then you sent me this paper, extensive paper you've written on Lionel Murphy and you thought you'd come in to talk about this paper, didn't you, Jean? Well, I don't like being here under false pretenses, yes, and I do want to talk about Murphy, and I'm not used to taking you on, but if I have to, I will. Well, well, Jean, you're not taking me on. We're just having a pleasant conversation at home, Good. and there's nobody listening. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But I think you're a little bit of an enigma, and I think we need a little bit of background and how before we morph into this story. Now, Jean, how many years have you been on the, on the planet Earth, do you think? Oh, long, long, long time. Long, so you're wise? No. You're not wise, but no. a long time. A long time. Maybe yes. eight decades. Almost. Almost eight decades. Okay, so that gives you a bit of wisdom. Now... I um, was born before the Second World War, put it that way. Just not, before. But unlike Elmer Morton, you weren't born during the First World War. No. Remember Elmer? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. All right. But I do have memories, yes, of, of the war. What do you remember? How old I were you? I remember the, the, the soldiers coming down the hill, mm. and as, as children we ran alongside them singing with them. Right. It wasn't until years later that I understood that those people, the most of them, never came back. Right. So this is when they were going off to war, yes, was it? Yes, oh, Right. So did you live in Melbourne? or? No, no. I grew up in Sydney, in, um, in the Kemba. 
mm-hmm. when it was still market gardens. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, did your parents, were they born here or they came from overseas? My, both my parents were born here. A- and their parents? Uh, they were, uh, n- one was, but um, mm. most of them, yeah. And others came from Scotland, yeah. So, from Scotland originally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people would know you from the Defence of Government Schools Program, yes. which has been running here, what, around 40 years at 3CR? Uh, 1987. 87. So you're just, you're just a youngster compared to Anarchist World this week. That's right. We started right. in 77. All right. And it's you and Robert. That's your son, Robert. You basically, yes. and with a bit, bit of help from Dale, who's yes. sent her apologies today because she's not feeling well. She normally does all the panel operating, but mm. we get Jane w- w- whisks in and then whisks out and leaves us together locked in this room for an hour. Oh, Dale's an expert. We're very, very lucky to have her. Yeah, because she she does all the production, does yeah. she? For um. Yes. Yes. So she keeps us on the straight and narrow. So in Sydney, did you go to a religious school or a public school? No, always a public school. Always? Yeah. Always. Public primary school? Yes. And where was, where was that? It was called Belmore South in those days, yes. Right. Uh, and high school? High school was a place called Fort Street. It was a selective high school in the city. So selective high school? Yes. What does that mean? <laughs> in those days, they gave children at the age of... Ten even things called IQ tests, which mm-hmm. really, really tested how determined your parents were. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I had a very determined parents, I can tell you. Right. And this thing called an IQ test put a number on you, uh-huh. and if you had a high enough number, then you were selected out right. um, to spend hours on the trains going to school. How long? How long, how long did you spend on the train? Oh, Two and a half, three hours a day. A day. Didn't yeah. your parents realise that this could have actually affected your academic performance? <laughs> <laughs> or did you work on the train? Uh, yes, we worked on, I worked on the train. But some, it depended on how oh. old I was. Mm. Right. Yeah. It, was, it was an interesting school. It was an all-girls school. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the one good thing I can say about the selective high school is that... Uh, when the class system hits you, when people try to put you down because you're the wrong class, because you've actually been told, and we were told in the school school, we were told that there was absolutely nothing in the world that we could not do, mm-hmm. uh, and you just tell them to go and jump in the, the lake, lake. That's right. because you have decided there's nothing in the world that you cannot do. Um, and it was a girls' school, so as as uh, our teachers were uh, women who had gone to university in the 30s mm-hmm. and whose uh, men had never come back from the war. So that is a strong yeah. feminist very perspective. Strong, very strong feminist, yes. Mm. So, uh, they actually, my teachers fought the equal pay mm-hmm. uh, battle in, um, in New South Wales right. where we had equal pay for teachers. Right. So, so what year did you finish high school? Oh, Just roughly, roughly. Well, 1955. This 55. Oh, that's right. I was only four and I'm old. <laughs> so at 55, uh, what were your career aspirations when you left high school? Oh, my father would have liked me. I did quite well at school. Would have liked me to become a doctor, you know. Oh, well, you made the right choice not becoming a doctor. Uh, my father was dying, uh, so I worked out right. that I better get a teacher's college scholarship, so I did right. that. And um, all I wanted to do was music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I did four years of music at, at Sydney University. Um, 
and I would have been one of the poorest students in the university. Uh, so I went and worked at the Hotel Sydney, mm-hmm. um, which is gone now. It was next to the Tivoli, and um, I think that was one of the best parts of my education. What, you were pulling beers as a young woman at the no, Tivoli? No, 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 I was in the dining room, right. and the women, other women in the dining room mm. really mothered me. They were wonderful. I, right. they, I couldn't understand why they wouldn't have... Um, uh, breakfast with one lady and you know I'm always friendly with everyone so mm. I'd have breakfast with her because I felt sorry for her mm. but she did room service right, right. <laughs> so that was it I yeah. was very innocent yeah, yeah. well I think and, I, I yeah. think they would have been very proud of you as a working class girl who was doing well I, oh, found, I, I found the same thing when I was at uh, university and I had to work and I was used to work in a steel factory and the, the men there the men and women were very supportive because they could see one of their own getting ahead in life and I think I wouldn't have seen myself mm. as working class because I didn't mm. know anything about working class, but my father actually had been... We had no idea until his funeral that, mm. that you know, that my father was a very important person. He was the head of the conservation service. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was a born-again greenie mm-hmm. before anybody ever was thinking about conservation right. because he'd take us into the, into the outback of New South Wales and show us how overstocking had... Uh, created, in fact, hundreds of thousands of square miles of This was of in the desert. 40s and 50s? Yes, yes. Oh, so he's, um, he must he, be an extraordinarily forward-looking man then. He was. Oh, well, mm. he was extraordinary looking back. I mm. was very angry at him for dying just at the time I was I was actually getting to know him, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah well, it, is, it, is, it, is, it happens, it happens. Mm. So did you actually teach? Yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. I was sent um, into... The, uh, in, in 1961, you had the introduction of the comprehensive high schools. Right. They, the high schools until then in New South Wales had been, if you like, class-based. You had had your selective high schools for your meritocrats mm-hmm. and you'd had your, um, your domestic high schools for other girls mm-hmm. and your uh, technical schools for other boys. Uh, and then you had your private system as well, which was n- which was not given state aid. Um, but excuse me, could, could you repeat that? Are you telling me the private school sector stood on its own feet in the yes, early sixties? Yes. So if you wanted to send your kids to a private school, you paid for it, and that was the end of that. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, all right. Yes. Well, that's interesting because I, th- I think people have thought that state aid has existed since 1901, since Federation. Oh no, no, no. All right. We'll we'll get into that in a minute. So I'd just like to clarify that point. So. In those days, you had comprehensive schools, which were introduced to... What was the idea They were that? introduced in 1961, mm. and this uh, was for all children, right. and, and it didn't matter. The IQ testing went out, so right. you didn't select children. And it really was so silly, because children develop at different stages of their lives, mm. and they knew this, because... Uh, mm. Or you had intermediate high schools. Mm. Uh, at Fort Street, we had a lot of very, very clever girls come in from other schools at, mm-hmm. at Year 4. Right. We only had five years at school. Right. And I, to tell you the truth, I was very happy to get out of the place, but um, that's another that's right. another. So, so how long did you teach for? Oh, um, some years. What, um, five, six, ten? And out in the back box of Sydney, mm-hmm. uh, I went to a place called Sefton, which in those days was 
a new, a brand new school, mm. and we bought 2,000 children off the streets. What do you mean you bought them off the streets? Uh, they're working class children, and mm. most of them, large numbers of them, couldn't speak English. Right, right. And the children that couldn't speak English were put into what were called GA classes, mm-hmm. um, and they were given a year to learn to speak English. The GA classes were the bottom classes. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I was a music teacher, so I taught everybody, and... I just fell in love with my children. Right. <laughs> so my little Greek and Italian children mm. all wanted to be um, uh, opera singers, as you can imagine. Yes, so music yes. was the thing to teach. Mm. And uh, my choir won the city of Sydney of Stedford. What year was this? This was 1961. Which would have been quite an extraordinary achievement to get all these little kids... Well, they were wonderful. Mm. They were wonderful. You yeah. understand. Yeah. Uh, this was these were the children of of the people who mm. had come to Australia after mm. the war. Yeah, it's me. Me, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I would have been ten then. I could have been in the choir, but I can't sing. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. They, they were just wonderful. Mm. I, I, they taught me so much in three months. I, here mm. I was, a, a completely green, twenty-one year old. I didn't yeah. have a clue. Right. Um, and I watched the other people teaching, mm. um, but. Uh, these children taught me more than, than I'd learnt in five years at university. But they didn't have the opportunities that I'd had, so I made a vow then, in 1961, that I would always fight for those children. Right. Okay. And, and so here I am. Here you are. So... You know, there, there's these moments in your life when you mm. decide that, that you are the servant either of the people who who haven't got the same opportunities mm-hmm. as other, or you are the servant of the rich. Mammon. Yes, you, you, mm. um, you have to make that decision. And you made that at 21. Mm. All right. So how long did you teach for? I mean, then I taught for two or three years. And did you continue teaching after that? or? Uh, well, I got married right. and my husband went to Brisbane to study, so I went to Brisbane too, mm. and I couldn't get a job teaching up there. I was told to go home to my kitchen because married women didn't have jobs in Queensland. And that's in the mid-60s you're talking about, aren't this you? This is, yes, yeah, 60. Yeah. People, I don't think people realise how, how, how difficult it was in those days. You got married, you lost your job if you were a public servant. Not in New South Wales, but in, yeah. Well, well we were much more uh, advanced in Queensland, obviously. We knew that you needed to stay in the home. <laughs> well, I didn't. I got the only job. <laughs> what? I, what? What? The only job I could get was um, in a kitchen in an, in an Anglican uh, Anglican theology uh, theological college. Right. I was sacked from that job because I didn't pass the um, the uh, portrait of the archbishop. I was told I should have known how to do that. But actually, the reason was I'd gone to matins, I'd gone to the morning service, and I'm allergic to incense, and I painted, (laughs) and Canon Church thought... Oh, you don't want to hear all that. Yeah, tell me, tell me. Yeah, yeah, come on. You're allergic, you fainted in Canon Church for it. What? Thought I might be pregnant, so oh, I right. got the sack. So, <laughs> but then I one, one you couldn't you couldn't get a job because you were married, and then you got sacked because you could have been pregnant. Oh, I like this. <laughs> this is my Queensland. I really feel at home now. Anyway, <laughs> the, the people up at the university yeah. decided that. That I'd be quite good as an ornament, so they kept on paying me to study. Right. And I remember a friend up there saying, "They'll keep telling, they'll keep paying you to study." You know, I, I was young. Yeah. Um, 
but they won't ever give you a job. This is at St. Lucia University, is it? Yes, yeah, yes, right. yes. So I, I did reasonably well there. Yeah. And, um, uh, and they, of course, when I... So you I, came out with a degree? Oh, yes, I got my master's up there. Right. Master's in what? Education. Right. History. Right. History and education. So I came down to Sydney to teach again. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that I really enjoyed teaching very much. But by this stage, I had two children. Mm-hmm. And I lost two children. And uh, then I went for a job at the University of New South Wales. And um, I really was the best qualified, and I did the job. But I got the, um, you know, the second, what would you call it, the booby prize. I got a scholarship to do a PhD. Right. Okay. <laughs> and did you complete the PhD? Uh, well, Richard went down to Tasmania, so oh, I right. completed it in Tasmania, but nobody had got a PhD in Tasmania for 12 years. <laughs> and, and, and they did everything they could to stop me from getting it, but I still got it. Because you were a woman? Uh, no, no, I think it was because nobody had, there weren't too many PhDs down there. Right. No, it was more complicated than that. Right. My, the only person who could supervise me yep. couldn't supervise me, and he had been the academic who had um, ratted on the others in the all case, and he was very unpopular, mm. and he didn't assist me or tell me what I should, should do, do at all. But you completed it eventually. Oh, yes. I, I, well, I'm afraid I'm got stubborn. Well, well, Dr. Ely, Eli, <laughs> when did you... Uh, Dr. Ely, when did you get your PhD, doctorate? Oh, that was in 73, I think. So, and what, what was your... But I'd gone back to teach... Now, hang on, hang on. What was your PhD about? Well, it was about why they had... They had it was about the New South Wales education system, mm-hmm. why they had um, centralised it in, in the 19th century. And in the process, because I did all of this history, I found out all about state aid. Right. And when I was in Queensland, it was the history that got me interested in the dogs. When I was in Queensland, I discovered that um, because they had had state aid to the private schools since 1899, 1899, they got it through what was called a scholarship system. Uh, The children who passed the scholarship then got paid to go on, and Mm -hmm. there were no state high schools uh, there was only one in Brisbane until 1942, and the second one was in Wynnum. Right. Uh, out in the country areas, the only uh, further education was either uh, at the top, a continuation of primary schools or mm. the mm. technical colleges yeah, in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in places where there weren't grammar schools. Yeah. Um, so the Catholic Church got their money through the grammar school scholarships. It was extended in 1899. They had a, a, an interest, therefore, in not having a state secondary schools. Mm. So it was not until 1961 that the children of Queensland were all put in secondary in schools. schools. Right. So I saw how the private schools and their interest could hold back a whole society for half a century. And we are still paying the consequences And the of same that. thing is mm. now happening in Australia. Now let's all go back. As we go fall back. back yeah. we, yes, no, so. Let's go back. Let's go back. Because I think people need to understand the history of state aid to yes. pri- the private schools. So Queensland had it since then. It stopped the development of uh, high schools and secondary colleges in Queensland. So when I started in, I started high school in 19... 
65, I think. You were one of the lucky ones. Mm, mm. So we had just started then. You just started. We had no idea. I had no idea. I had no idea about this history. None whatsoever. I wrote this history. Mm. um, Mm. And um, it was actually put in a book by a conservative historian. And I was highly entertained when I saw that all of my work had been lifted out. Plagiarised, yes. And then I realised that because it was in this book, by a um, conservative historian, then it would be read by more people. So I didn't worry about that. Right. Uh, that didn't worry me. But the important thing was that, that this information was um, uh, produced and people understood. So, so in Victoria and New South Wales and the other states, uh, there was no state aid for private schools. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. When, when, did, when did all that change? It changed in uh, 1969. Right. What happened in 69? Menzies gave state aid. Well, actually, it first started in 64 when Menzies gave um, state aid in the form of science and library grants to private schools. Mm. This is both Catholic and non-Catholic schools. Yes, yes. And then the direct grants uh, started in 1969. And um, there were, there's no question that there were uh, poor parish schools that were in trouble. But um, Wyndham in New South Wales, I, I interviewed him uh, soon after, he literally was crying mm. that we had in, 1906, in the 1960s with the breaking down of the Catholic system because nobody was or people were not going into orders anymore. Mm-hmm. They actually had unpaid or semi-unpaid labour. Right. Um, he said we had that opportunity to put all of the children in school together mm-hmm. for the first time in our history. Right. Um, we had the opportunity for a strong public education system, putting all of our children together, and um, we blew it. Right. We blew it. We started this billions. It's now a billion dollars. Yeah, well, let's, let's go back. Yeah. Let's go back step by step because I think a lot of people have got no idea of the history of it, and it's essential to know the background. Mm. I mean... It really is essential because I had no idea that we didn't have high schools in in Queensland. No. You know, I had no idea. I knew that, you know. Gare in the 1930s said, why do we need them? The School mm. of Hard Knocks is good enough for me. Mm. Good old um, Vincent, yes. Yeah. But you had, um, you had selective uh, private schools mm. um, and you had um, uh, Brisbane High School. There mm. were, I think, Three three wings of the Brisbane High School: right. the boys, the girls, and a commercial school. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had technical colleges, but um, you 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 just didn't have high schools. Mm. I mean, just think of it: there were only those that one high school, major high school, Brisbane High School, for the whole of Queensland, until 1942, mm. and then you had Wynnum High School. Right. But in the 1960s, because uh, finally they gave state aid directly, the private school said, OK, then you can now have high school. Oh, right. So going back to New South Wales and Victoria and the rest of Australia, was there much of an outcry when government started giving taxpayers money to private schools? Yes, there was, um, particularly in New South Wales. The parents of state schools and the uh, certainly the New South Wales Teachers Federation, which was always very, very... Um, uh, very strong. Mm-hmm. They actually had a communist uh, president called right. Lewis. Right. 
Um, I once met Lewis, um, but that's another story. And they didn't vote for him. People didn't vote for Lewis because he was a communist. They voted for him because he had never taken promotion. Right. Um, he always stood for the ordinary teachers. He was a grassroots man, mm-hmm. and he fought for them. And they knew that they would fight, or he would always fight for the for them. They trusted mm-hmm. him, the right. teachers. Yep. Um, and uh, I mean, state aid only came in certainly with the labor liberal the Labor Party because of the DLP. Let's 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 go, let's go back. You're saying Menzies, then Gorton. They, oh, sorry. They kept pushing state aid. Uh, they Men- started, did they? No, Menzies wanted the Catholic vote. Right, so that's what the state aid was about. In 1961, he mm. almost lost office. That's right, there was one seat in Brisbane. In Brisbane, yeah, yeah daily. And and uh, and uh, the Communist Party preferences got him over the line. And yes, re-elected. that was hilarious. It was yeah, hilarious, that was that's right, because yes. the Communist Party didn't want to preference the ALP because they wanted the, you know, the class struggle. Yeah. And then we've got another 20 years of bloody Menzies. But go back to that. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a, and by that time, mm. in fact, a lot of um, the uh, Catholic community of, of Australia mm. had gone from being working class into the middle class. They'd actually done very well for themselves, particularly with mm. uh, some of the graduates of places like St Kevin's College and Riverview and so mm. on, because mm. what people don't understand is that the Catholic system itself is a class system. They have wealthy schools and poor schools. Yes, they do, yes. And um, a lot of these people had... Um, had graduated even from the Labor Party into the Liberal Party. And uh, I think what's happened with Abbott and the right, religious let's, let's right go back, the let's moment go back. is, is got, just a long-term... Well, yeah, we've got, we got a long time. I want know. to talk about movie. We will, we will. <laughs> Everything has its place on Radical Australia. We have a narrative, all right? We're doing a narrative. So... Obviously, what were the what were, what options were open to people like you and the people against the state aid to private schools at that period? Well, the DLP had this boat, and mm. it really wasn't a, a very big boat. So, mm. in New South Wales and here in Victoria, mm. uh, we stood candidates for parliament, and we actually beat in a lot of places. We beat the DLP. And uh, under what banner do you stand, candidates? Uh, under the dogs, so the Australian Council, the Defence of Government Schools. Schools. Dogs. So when was that? When was that organisation? Uh, in 1969. Right. Um, in I was in New South Wales at that time. I was teaching. Right. right. We had we organised all these wonderful demonstrations. Mm. We worked out that uh, the best way to run a demonstration was to get the Laughing Initiative. Right. So we ran. Uh, Mrs. Taylor was mm. oh she was wonderful. She had wonderful <laughs> ideas. Uh, we went off to the Waverley College in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, mm. and we had a poolside protest. Right. Um, the, this school, it was a Christian Brothers school, had this most wonderful Olympic pool, mm. and the Bondi baths were closed. There were no public pools in the area and there was this beautiful pool in this private school and this private school was getting state aid and the local state schools were in penury. Uh, So we we went with our dogs and our children and our picnic baskets and I went in a bikini. A bikini. The first and the last time I have ever (laughs) worn a bikini. bikini. 
<laughs> People say things on Radical Australia that they like to take back after the show, but that's fine. Jean wore a bikini. Oh, yes, yes. To, I to was this protest. Shameless, quite Shame, shameless. Quite shameless. I enjoyed Good. myself enormously. Honestly, yep, yep. Um, with my picnic basket. It was yeah. a beautiful day. Yes. And we waltzed around and everybody honked us. They thought it was the most wonderful demonstration mm. and it was all over the newspapers. Mm. And they were very, very angry. Mm. And then was almost impossible to get coverage. But we made the point that wealthy schools were getting state aid and poor schools, particularly state schools, were in, in trouble. All right. Now, I understand... And that, I think, started the needs policy of the Whitlam government. Yeah, Whitlam government, right. So when did you look at legal options? What year did you look at legal options? The legal option was started down here in Victoria with Raymond Nielsen. Mm-hmm. And he the late, late Raymond, yeah. Yes, Raymond, yeah. Mm. He's still very alive in lots of ways to me, unfortunately. Yes, but unfortunately uh, yeah. he did. Um, but uh, he, he was uh, a great activist, as you know. Mm. And he realised that uh, he would need to... Um, He'd left his job. He, he actually had been a financial analyst and was uh, very prominent in the Ford Motor Company. Mm-hmm. Um, his boss wanted him to go to America with him. Raymond, Raymond was a very, very able man, particularly financially. Mm-hmm. And he, um, we both decided actually by that stage I was in, in, in academia. We both decided. What, here in Victoria? Yes. Right. Um, what, what position were you holding? I was at the Gippsland Institute. Right. Now Monash University. And what, what year is this? Uh, this is 75. So you decided that, that there was legal options, did you? Yes. Um, and, but unfortunately we couldn't get into the court because you have to have a fiat of, a, of an attorney general and Whitlam and others did everything they could to stop this from happening. Um, well, they concerned we about the Catholic got it. Yes. They we were concerned all... about the Catholic vote, were they? Oh, yes. No, no, they were concerned about Section 116. We, we had a good case, a very good case. We still have a good case. No, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. So, so why did the Whitlam government and the attorney general refuse to... Because they didn't want it to get into the court. They what, didn't what, want it heard. What, what reason? Because they were frightened they'd lose. Right. And they were, they were pushing state aid to private yeah. schools during um, that period? They, they, yes, there had been legal advice given mm. over, the, over the... Now, let's, go, let's get back. Years. So during the Whitlam period, during those four years, was state aid been increased to private oh, schools? Oh, yes. When Whitlam got in, mm. he set up a thing called the Schools Commission. Mm. They wanted to take um, state aid out of politics. They, right. did, they wanted, And so they gave money to the state schools, mm-hmm. disadvantaged schools. Think mm-hmm. They started talking about disadvantaged schools and needs policies. Right. This is when the needs policy, which has become the greeds policy, yes. started. Right. And um, they also bought off a lot of the um, the state school representatives, people like Joan Kerner, for example, were right. put on the Schools Commission, right. and she joined the Labor Party, and mm-hmm. um, uh, she also left the... But she gave the dogs a lot of trouble because she was on the um, the uh, the writ to go to the high so court. During, so, so during the um, mid-70s, you didn't get leave to appeal in the high court? No. 
It took 15 years, oh. uh, in fact, 23 years, because people had been talking about it in the 50s, mm. because there had been taxation, um, state aid given, right. small amounts. It's 4.32. I'm giving uh, Jean Ely a bit of a rest. Uh, we're talking about her life, and obviously we're about to uh, embark on the, how her life intertwined with uh, Lionel Murphy's life. And this is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. My name is Joseph Toscan. I'm interviewing or chatting to Jean. I wouldn't call it an interview. Would you call it an interview, Jean? <laughs> I mean, the fact you told her she had a bikini and no, I wouldn't call it. I think it's a chat. So when did you, so you never got into the High Court? Yes, we did. What year did you get into the High Court? Uh, 1979. How did you get in? in because Wilcox, a liberal uh, man here, mm-hmm. um, gave us. He was the he was the attorney here in mm-hmm. Victoria gave it to us and it was because somebody knew somebody. Ah, the old story. Yeah, yeah it was an old, old story. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, was a, it was a connection. So, uh, so, so. But he also believed, uh, Wilcox was a, a libertarian in this respect. He right. believed that people should have the right to go to the High Court. But people don't understand that ordinary citizens do not have standing in the High Court. Mm. So <clears throat> we also bought uh, a, a case to have for, for taxpayers to have standing, right? Which we lost, although um, Murphy gave us a very good. No, hang good on, hang on. Let's on go that. back. Let's go back. Let's go back. So you went to the High Court. In nine, yes, but everything was put in our way. No, no, hang on, hang on. Please, please, people don't know this story. You know it because you lived it, all right? Oh, You've yes. lived it twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, you we know, did. year in, year out. Let, let's get back to the witty nitty. So, what was the essence of your case in the High Court? Uh, the case in the High Court concerned uh, the unconstitutionality of state aid to private religious schools under Section 116 of the Constitution. And Section 116 uh, is a very strong religious liberty clause. It says mm. that the Commonwealth shall not make any law for the establishment of any religion. And there also has to be, under this clause, uh, free exercise of any religion and also no public servant should have So you were, claiming, you were claiming in the, in the case that by the state giving money to private religious-based schools that they are actually taking the, uh, the side of the religious schools, actually promoting a religion. No, they were establishing any religion. Not a particular religion, but any, any religion. That but was our case, and we we had a strong case because mm. of the um, mm. American cases and yep. the fact that Section One One Six was based. In fact, it was almost completely taken out of American. the American First Amendment mm. by Inglis Clark, mm. who was responsible for it, put it uh, together All with right. Higgins, right. putting so, it. So in. Who who um, prosecuted your case? Uh, well, we had to go and get a QC, mm-hmm. and uh, we got a, a QC and a number of a num- two, in the end, just one. Um, mm-hmm. And was each each state government represented there? Yes, every state government. And how about all in. the religious organisations out oh, there? Oh yes. <laughs> so how many? How many? How many lawyers? We're up are against this? everybody. So how many? How many do you think you're up against? Oh, loads of them. What? Thirty, forty. Yeah. Mr. Hayne, Mr. Yeah. Hayne was actually representing the private school interest. The, right. The, the, the present present man with the banking commission. Right. Um, 
Yes, we it was it was pretty full on. We had How, John Seguras uh, as right. our solicitor. Right. Yeah. And was he doing it pro bono? He did it pro bono. Right. Yes. And How we long did the grateful. case take? Uh, well, uh, back in '79, there were 26 days in court in which all of these religious schools tried to prove that they were no more religious than state schools. Right. Okay. Right. It was a hoot. It was it was some of the best entertainment in town. It really uh, was. Was it was prosecuted here in Melbourne, or did you have to go to Canberra? In Melbourne, in down Melbourne. in Little Burke Street, Street in those right. days. Okay. Yes. Um, Archbishop Little. He turned up too, <laughs> did he? Good old Archbishop Little. Oh no! Well, we subpoenaed them. All right. We thought we thought on the day that we subpoenaed all these nuns and priests and other yeah. people, the bloke yeah. down in in St Paul's. We thought we might get a coverage in the newspaper. Right. And on that day, mm. the Pope died. Ah, oh. timing, <laughs> timing. It's all about timing politics. Look, there was a lot of very funny things happened. Yeah. It was a. Saga. You're not suggesting the Pope died to help the case, the cause in Australia. Come yeah. on, that's a long bogey. Listen, if you want to read this, uh, people are really interested in this, um, and uh, I want to right. get on to Murphy. Yeah, hang on, we they will. Can buy my book from on all of this at from the book from from three C R. Okay, I understand that. So the seven was it seven or six eminent judges on the High Court? Seven. Seven, and, and what did they usually split? So what was the split? Uh, the six. There were six in a majority who said that the what what section one one six really said was that the Commonwealth shall not make any law for the establishment of a religion, religion, not right. any religion. religion right. And if you actually follow this through to the rest of um, yeah, Section yeah. 116, you'll see yeah. that there is actually no yeah, religious yeah. freedom Look, I'm in tr- Australia. I'm, tr- I'm trying to lead you. I'm trying to lead you onto your topic. So there was uh, one Murphy, dissenting. There was one dissenting judge. Murphy the... gave a dissent. And by the way, Murphy had also been the judge in the trial of facts, and right. he was very, very, very proper. Mm-hmm. And we had had nothing to do with Murphy. I you had didn't know him. Nobody do, no, knew him. Had nothing to do with Murphy. So he gave. We it. paid. We paid um, five hundred half a million mm-hmm. to the QC for the work in many ways that Ray and I had done and a lot mm. of other people had done. And Sylvia Child, who is Margaret Nielsen's uh, twin sister, who mm. is also now deceased, mm. she had just got married and they had some money for a beautiful new home, she mm. and her husband. Mm. And she gave that money at a crucial time to keep the Kai Court case going. Right. But, but, now, but, but Justice Murphy... you don't Murphy, meet people like that every no, day. you don't. But Justice Murphy gave a dissenting opinion. Yes. So this is the first time you'd met Justice Murphy. Oh, I'd seen him on the court, but no... No, I, no. This, I still hadn't met him. Hadn't met him. No. All right, when was the first time you met Lionel Murphy? Um, Lionel Murphy's problems started in 1980. Well, they started from the moment he was put on the high court bench right. mm-hmm. with the Sankey case. Um, but uh, they... They really uh, mushroomed after 1983 with the so-called age tapes and the establishment of the Senate Committee of Inquiry. The Hawke government didn't have control of the Senate and so uh, the Senate Committee Inquiry was set up to find out whether or not he had misbehaved. Now this gets you to Section 72 of the Constitution mm. and the possibility of the removal of a judge. Now let, let's back, 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 back. So what were the accusations made against Lionel Murphy? Um, 
perversion of the course of justice. Perversion of the course of justice. Now, the age tapes mm. had nothing. They, if you actually look at, at the, what the first Senate inquiry found, they said that there was just nothing there. These age tapes, by the way, were tapes that were taken illegally on the phone of a man called Morgan Ryan. Right. Morgan Ryan had been had briefed Murphy back in the fifties uh, and sixties. Fifties and sixties. Yeah, in the sixties particularly. Mm. First of all, in a matter for um, the racing fraternity down mm. here in, in, right, in Victoria, right. okay. but more importantly, in the mm. union movement mm-hmm. against grouper unions. Right. The uh, groupers, of course, are the DLP. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Murphy and Ryan had made a lot of lot of um, powerful enemies in the Labor Party of New South Wales, because they never left the groupers never left the Labor Party of New South Wales. All right. So, so why do you think Lionel Murphy was facing these accusations? Have you got any? Because you've, you've looked at this quite closely. Well, in this paper that I've written, yes. I argue, and I think I'm, I'm, a lot of people would agree with me, but mm. from the moment he was put on the High Court, they wanted to get rid of him. The Vic, the Victorian bar. Um, Bar Association, they sent people up to Canberra to see if they could find dirt on him. Mm. There's a lot of evidence for all of this. But what, what, why? Why? Why do they want to remove him? Um, well, look at what he'd done. Now, well, tell us what he'd done. He ha- uh, from the moment that uh, the Labor Party got into power in 1972, mm. uh, once he became Attorney General in, in, ja- in January 19. 19- 73, he brought in legislation concerning the family court. Um, he brought in legislation with, with environmental, set up an environmental mm-hmm. um, office. Um, but mainly the family court was mm-hmm. what people were very upset about, particularly yes. the right wing of the, La- the Labor Party. Yep. Um, he, he also um, brought in a lot of consumer law, which got him mm. offside. And, 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 he, and he raided um, ASIO as Attorney oh, well, General yes, because, well, because he was concerned about the Eustacia links and the bombings that were occurring in yes. Melbourne. and well, let's talk about this, shall mm. we? Mm. Um, they talk a lot about terrorists mm. and I think there's a young man just been put in solitary confinement um, in mm. Australia. Mm. There's great fear of terrorism, but in the 1970s... It was real. And 60s, it was real. There were bombings there were going. Bombs going. That's right. And people were being killed and maimed. And the Ananda market case is, is a blot on Now, but, but, but going back, going yeah. back, there was a, and so he, he didn't trust Asia because he felt they had close links. Uh, well, what he did mm. uh, when he got into power was mm. to say that they had, um, they had to be answerable to the minister. Right. And he was their minister. Yeah. So they had to be answerable to him. Yeah. Now, to be fair to even Arthur Greenwood, mm. uh, and the, the Liberal Party when, mm. when things were happening, Mm. Um, they, ASIO never gave them the information mm. about what was really happening and they had this information Yes, there was a file um, and Murphy was determined to get rid well, of it well in 1972 this, this is how bad things were 80 young men of Croatian extraction were sent yep. to wage war in Yugoslavia and most of them were killed on the border we're talking about dozens of young Australian men from Melbourne and Sydney. It's just extraordinary. Well, they were being trained here uh, in what they called troikas. Mm. Um, And one of these 
there was a man called Eurovic that Ray Nielsen had a great deal to do with in these days. Mm. Joan Cox said she knows a lot about this also. Mm. And uh, one of the gentlemen, uh, one of the boys, he was only a boy called yes. Johnny, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, he was known as Johnny. Yeah. He turned up at the at the front door of the Nielsen residence in West Melbourne and was staying there. Mm. Uh, he, he had defected. That's right. And um, I met him by chance because I was sleeping in mm. this room and he mm. was this Johnny. Yeah. In the morning, well, they didn't tell me anything about it until no. till they was whispering about it, and I said, mm. "Is Johnny the fair-haired boy that was in my bedroom this morning?" Mm. Uh, so then I found out about Johnny. Mm. Now Johnny, um, they tr- they tried to help him, but he disappeared. Mm. Uh, they really do believe people believe that Johnny. Um, yeah, didn't, so th- didn't even make. So it. this was this was the situation then. Right, no wonder people were out to get Murphy. Okay, there were people from the from well, the Labor Party, from the Liberals, the Arch Conservatives, it just went on and on. As well as that, he mm. was wanting to have a federal police as opposed to a Commonwealth police, right. and he had enemies within the Commonwealth police force. And one of these surfaces later, mm. uh, uh, he's a he's All a right. gentleman. Uh, so, what eventually happened to Lionel Murphy in court? What were the decisions that were made? Uh, first, uh, Lionel Murphy. The second second Senate inquiry mm. uh, couldn't get, they couldn't get anywhere with the age tapes. What they needed to get Murphy was a strong um, and reputable uh, person who would charge him or would accuse him, allege things against yes, him, yes, yes. and who would stand up in court. Mm. and um, And they wanted a proper charge. They wanted, right. and they also wanted evidence. Right, because he and was still sitting on the High Court at this stage. Yes, right. and they got this with a man called Breeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a magistrate of New South Wales, mm-hmm. um, uh, who actually was, you know, very uh, a man of of, um, of uh, religious bent, mm. and. Um, they also got it with another judge called Flannery, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he bought, he claimed that uh, Murphy had tried to influence him in a case against Morgan Ryan. Yeah, how many now, years? Now Morgan ago was Ryan this? was no better than. So this is in the fifties we're talking about, or the sixties? No, this is nineteen. No, 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 now. But, but when when were they talking about? I know the charges. Uh, you know. Oh, the charges actually. Um, the charges were. Uh, in, in the late 1970s. The late 1970s, yeah. they say. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Ryan was yeah. at that time yes. under, under prosecution. This is 1983. Yes, yes. With Morgan Ryan. Yeah. But Morgan Ryan's association with Murphy had gone right back. Yeah, yeah. So, so what actually, what was the end point of this court process? To get rid of Murphy. No, but what happened to Murphy? Uh, Murphy was initially... Um, found to be guilty and right. given 18 months in jail. Right, and that means he goes... That one. That and that night, he, yeah. that night at the bar at the bar and bench dinner, mm-hmm. um, one of the leaders of the, Australian, of the New South Wales bar mm-hmm. shouted everyone champagne. Right. Uh, and I know this because Cowdery and mm-hmm. Callanan, mm-hmm. who were prosecuting Murphy mm-hmm. in this case, yes. uh, uh, talk about this. Cowdery talks about this. Right. In an article, an academic article. So he was sentenced to 18 months jail. Yes. And what happened after that? <laughs> All hell let loose. Mm. The, this was a jury matter. Mm. And the leader of the jury rang the shock jocks. For once, for once, believe it or not, the shock jocks did something that was Positive. interesting. All right, what did they do? They said we were wrongly, you know, we didn't want to find him 
guilty. Yes, we were wrongly directed by the judge. Uh, this is the foreman of, of the, the jury, jury that found him guilty, yeah, right? Yeah, we understood that we had no choice. We weren't told that we had a choice. Right, <laughs> right, okay. Um, the way the judge, the judge. Directed us, mm. we were directed that this is what we had to do. Right, and so and, so what happened? Uh, they they brought it uh, back to the court. There was an appeal. Right, and um, there was a new trial. And what happened to the new trial? Uh, he was acquitted. Acquitted. But in this new trial, which was in April 1985, mm. uh, he gave an unsworn statement. He gave an unsworn statement, right? From the doc, a doc statement. Right. Which meant that Murphy could not be cross-examined. Right. And, Ka- and Callanan and Cowdery were outraged mm-hmm. because they had stuff from the Stuart inquiry into the age tapes, scuttlebutt, mm-hmm. which they wanted to use in cross-examination. Right, right. They wanted to go to his uh, reputation. Right. And this was the next move to get Murphy... Uh, they set up a commission of inquiry. Who? Commonwealth Government? No. The com- yes, the Commonwealth Government. Who? Hawke. Yes. Hawke set up the commission of inquiry. Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, this commission of inquiry, there's a whole question as to whether or not under Section 72 of the Constitution, it was constitutional. Yeah, Murphy questioned its constitutionality mm. and he was bringing cases in the High Court against the commission. Mm. The commission consisted of three retired judges, mm. all of whom were uh, pretty conservative, mm. uh, one from the... So why do you think the Hawke-led Labor government allowed this to happen they to this, they wanted this embarrassment from the Whitlam years to go away. They wanted him to resign. He was still sitting on the court at this stage, was he? No, he was not on the court for some months. But he was still, he was still a high court judge. He was still a high court judge. Because judgment. you need to go to both Couldn't houses of parliament. Yep. You can only get rid of him through both houses of parliament. Correct. Is that correct? Yep. Through an address, yes, yep. from both houses of parliament. And they didn't have the guts to do it. Right. The parliament had to decide. Yep. He had been acquitted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the whole question then then centred around what is the meaning of misbehaviour in right, a judge. Right. Now, if you take the narrow meaning, mm-hmm. and the narrow meaning is that misbehaviour means that he has to have a criminal charge against yes, him, yes. and it has to be during his time in office, mm-hmm. and they had legal advice to this uh, mm-hmm. effect from mm-hmm. a number of very important people, yep. uh, uh, legal people, yep. buyers and others, yep. um, uh, then Murphy, they couldn't get Murphy. But if misbehaviour means contemporary values, mm. a very broad interpretation, mm. then they could get him. So what did the commission come up with? The commission came up with a, a finding on the, on the meaning of misbehaviour, which is extraordinary, because the only people who can really decide what misbehaviour is under the Constitution, Mm -hmm. you would think would be the High Court. Court. That's right. Although there was legal advice from one person said... So did they say say Murphy had misbehaved? Is that what they said? Or they said that they just uh, defined what misbehaviour was? What happened after this? Now, in 19... 2017... No, no, no. Let's go back because we need to finish the story. Now, what happened to Justice Murphy? Justice Murphy, um, in the end, he withdrew the case and, and what happened was 
he was told that he was dying of cancer and had three months to live. That's what he was told? Yes. And, uh, and he died within three months, didn't he? But before... Before he, three months, before he died, what happened? The commission were then in a very difficult position. Mm. They said, look, if we continue with this, we'd be seen to be hounding this man. That's right. Uh, and it was decided that they would, uh, by the cabinet, the mm. cabinet got very toey too, mm. and they, they passed um, the fact that they would pay for his legal costs. Right. Now, this is very interesting and important, mm. and it was, uh, it was nearly half a million. Mm-hmm. And they also, uh, they also got rid of the commission. Right, so they got rid of the commission. They thought this would be the end of the story of Justice Murphy. No, it wasn't. I know that. Now, hang on, hang on. I'm just, I'm just saying that's what they were thinking, that this, it's over. Although they'd besmirched his reputation and he'd been acquitted and he hadn't been found guilty of anything. All right, so what happened after he died? Murphy, no, let's see, he still had plenty of guts in him. Mm-hmm. This man, this man was a great activist all his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I please say that my feeling about Murphy was that we were so honoured to have had him in mm-hmm. our generation. Mm-hmm. He was the generation before us, mm-hmm. but we were honoured in Australia to have this man on the High Court. Mm-hmm. And um, we had felt this, Raymond Nielsen and Polixini Papapetru and mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. we had felt this when he was... At his worst, mm. Polly and I were doing um, Leo Cousins. We were doing our, our uh, finals, mm. a final thing to become lawyers yeah. at at, at um, Leo Cousins, and we were horrified by the way that people were behaving about Murphy, right. because as students, Murphy's mm. tax cases mm. had really meant a lot to us, mm. and um, so we got together. I had some money because I've been paid out some of my superannuation or. Mm. Something or long service leave. Long service leave, that's right. So I put that, we put that um, advertisement, a full paid advertisement. Yes, I saw that. I remember remember that advertisement. I do remember that. Murphy, Murphy rang up that night and he got on to Raymond and he was crying and he said, You don't know what this means for my children. Yeah, the 19th of July 1985. It was his worst day, one of his worst days Mm. uh, in Mm. the court in New South Wales. And he wanted to meet us. He said, Who are you people? Right, right. And we said, Well, we're the dogs. Right. (laughs) So we went up to, um, we met met him and Mm. we spent eight hours. We Mm -hmm. decided we would get out a book, my, my husband. And I, right. uh, we decided, That's Richard. Yeah, yeah Richard. Yeah. Um, and we went up to, um, and we spent eight hours with him. Right. And you're looking there at a picture that is in the book, mm-hmm. and it's taken by a lady called Polixini Papapetru, who has mm. since become very famous mm. Australian uh, photographer mm. and who died of cancer a few months ago. Mm. Um, so I've written this paper because Ray and Polixini aren't there anymore. Right. Now, let's go, let's, go, let's, let's go forward 30 years, yes. 2017. Yes. Now, okay. Even I, even I was shocked, yes. shocked at what happened. What happened in 2017, 30 years after this event? They published the Class A documents of the Commission, mm-hmm. which are the allegations that were made against Murphy. Mm-hmm. And I've been through all of these and had a look at them, but what I realised was that there were two other sets of documents that had been published and the media had done nothing about. 
um, they, the other two documents were Class B documents, which were the findings of this commission on the meaning of misbehaviour. And they took it upon themselves, this commission, these mm. retired Supreme Court judge, justices, mm. to tell us what they thought misbehaviour meant, and it was the broad, broad meaning of contemporary values. Mm. They were out to get Murphy, yes. and these allegations mm. all are... Uh, Scuttlebutt, mm. they were trying their hardest and mm. they didn't have either a good witness or good, um, no, or good evidence to prove anything, but they mm. were trying to get him of, with guilt by association yes. with a criminal called Abe Saffron mm. and Morgan Good old Abe, yeah. Now, and what's the person hap- who yeah. was giving them... Mm. The, the really interesting thing is that the person who was giving them uh, the possibility of a bribery charge mm. was an ex-Commonwealth officer mm. who had been part of the taping of Morgan Ryan's phone, namely the age tapes, yeah. back in 1979 yeah, right. during the Sankey case. Yeah, so these people think they got away scot-free. Now, this paper, where is it going to appear? I don't know. It might just go up on the on the on the dog's website. Right. Uh, Black Shield tells me that I should give it to the ANU um, Law Society, but I'm. Um, I think it should be published. It's a it's a thirteen thousand. It's not. It's, it's just words. a booklet. It's a booklet. It's, it's a, a booklet, small booklet. Really. It should yeah. be published. If it goes on the website, it'll just be seen and disappear. It should be published. It must be published. You've published before. And I encourage you very strongly to publish this because obviously 30, what I found extraordinary was 30 years after the hatred that was there for Murphy. Just extraordinary. Just extraordinary. All these people trying to justify their ignorance and stupidity, you know? I was astonished when I, when I watched, um, Mm. when I watched them on the, um, on the Four Corners program, yeah. even David Marr. Yes, all Because of them. there were three uh, journalists. There mm. was David Marr, there was, yeah. Um, yeah. oh, I can't remember her name. No, it doesn't there was matter. Bob Bottom. Yeah. And they've all done very well for themselves out yeah. of this. Yes, yes. Um, it was in the National Times. Yes. And then the age tapes um, were mm. taken up by the Fairfax media. Mm. But when we went to see Murphy, mm. I asked him mm. why. Mm. I think in this whole matter, and what I've tried to do in this paper, is to give Murphy a say. Yes. And what did Murphy say? No, I think I think what we need what we need is we need to get we need to um, somehow get the paper published. What I'll do, Jean, is have a chat to outside the studios. The next programs here. And we need to organise a way to get this published so it gets out to a wider audience because you have raised some exceptionally important issue. Now, Jean? The really big issue, if I can just say it, is that Murphy, and and he wrote to Gibbs, he went back onto the High Court and he he nailed the real issue is the independence of the judiciary. Yes, I understand The independence of the judges. Yes, we understand that, Jean. Well, thank you very much, Jean Ely. It's been a pleasure speaking to you about your life and uh, your love for uh, justice as far as Justice Murphy is concerned. I'm proud to be associated with you and 3CR should be very proud of you. You're an ornament, as they say in the football, an ornament to 3CR. Thank you very much for having the courage to come in to cross swords with this old man. All the best. (laughs) 